Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk, we talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talk's Guilty Movie Pleasures. Yes, Guilty Movie Pleasure fans, we're back for another super surreal Zoom broadcast of our show uh, from the safety of our home, although I don't feel very safe with my child's horrifying drawings behind me. Is that the Duke? What is this? Having a hard time making it out, but you don't feel Wait. safe because of the drawings? I Yeah, yeah. And it's not, we've been quarantined, we're safe, but the drawings, and then I promise to move on from this. There's this weird thing here, and then this. I don't know what that is. She has an active you, imagination. I feel like right now you're opening your, your three-year-old daughter up to ridicule. No, no. I think that is she that what's just... Going on? No, I just... I'm terrified of her drawings. She has a, she has a Guillermo del Toro esque uh, vibe to them. Anyways, hey, I'm we your have, host. We have. <laughs> I'm your host. We have ben a strict ben. no oh. drawing policy yeah. in our house. We don't. And it's draw a chalkboard. It. It's not like so. We have a chalkboard paint here. It's not like she just draws on the walls like a you know, mm. like a like a savage. Anyways, uh, hey, I'm your host Ben Begley, and with me as always, just not in the same room, is. Jesse McIntosh. And with us in the booth, where are you, Ryan? Say hi to everybody. Yeah! <laughs> What's going on, y'all? This is uh, Ryan in the booth here. And man, what a what a wild week we got going on right? here. <laughs> I, didn't, I can't believe you haven't seen this, Ben. I'm kind of shocked. I'm ashamed of myself. I've had it since... You can tell because the price sticker says 2212. Uh, 12, so I bought it in December of 2012 for $5. So you've owned my, it this whole time. At my favorite store, Burbank uh, Atomic Records. Shout out to Atomic Records and Burbank. And I've owned it this whole time. It's a sweet box set. It's got like all kinds of, it's got like a comic book in here. All kinds of stuff. What if I just, the whole podcast, I just read the comics, everybody? Okay. <laughs> what if? Escape from, New, Escape from New York prequel. Here we go. Do I have veto power on this? Uh, then, nope, uh, no. did, did, you can't stop me. We're wait, in different rooms. Did you wait until you realized that the minds were wrong? And then you were like, <laughs> now I'm going to. Yeah, right. I was like, oh, I can't watch it in 2012 because, you know, no. I got I to gotta wait. And then I got to wait eight years just to make sure the calendar wasn't wrong, really wrong. Yeah. Uh, so I, I feel like I finally righted this wrong. Um, we're, oh, we're covering Escape from New York today in case people didn't know that. Escape from New York, John Carpenter's 1981 uh, cult classic. Uh, so of the three of us, I'm pretty sure that only Ryan had seen it, right? Wow. Wow. That's a first. That's I a watched first. it. That is a first. I watched it. Because Ryan, year. you guys don't know, but Ryan is 12 years old. That's uh, right. Mm -hmm. So <laughs> compared 12. to me, compared to me, Ryan is 12 years old. So <laughs> look at this. Look at that. I know. It's I have all nothing. white. I'm all just stub. He, he's been growing that for seven years. Anyways, Ryan, <laughs> Ryan, uh, since, what? Since he was five? <laughs> Ryan, so uh, now that I've made myself seem very old and you seem very young, uh, what was your, when did you see it? I want to know your opinion first, since you're the one who's seen it before. Well, I mean, when I was in film school, uh, there's all this whole group of people that's like, John Carpenter's everything. John Carpenter's the man. Yeah. And like, I'd seen Halloween and I, I came to the thing rather late i think for like a film fan i, I saw Same it here. uh like maybe my sophomore junior year of college and i loved it so much i was like i finally get it like i get the hype i understand why he is the man uh yeah. so 
I, and I love Kurt Russell. And I was like, I got to check out their other collaborations. So I rented Escape from New York. Have you seen Big Trouble in Little China, Tim? Oh, yeah. I got a poster in okay. my room. And so I'm just a massive fan of them. And they're, I think, one of the best director-actor combos out there. And this movie yeah. was no exception. Uh, I thought it was really fun. And I watched it on a flight, actually, from L.A. to home. And uh, it was, I had a great time. And from there on out, I, I watched LA and I've seen all of their collaborations. Nice. See, uh, so Jesse, before I say anything, I want to go to you now, cause you, uh, I like that, man. So you came from a film student background of getting into it. So where does it lit, where does it rank in the echelon of John Carpenter's greatest for you? Like it's, it's... orange marker from playing bingo today, just in case you're worried. <laughs> yeah, uh, what are those marks? Uh, I think weird you know, day. <laughs> a really baby vampire bit me. <laughs> Anyways, I think with with John Carpenter, he is a unique director and he's so stylized. I, I think a lot of it's personal preference, but with the exception of the thing, I think the thing's easily his yeah. best work. But I, I'd actually probably put this third, just because I really love Big Trouble from Little China. Big Trouble in Little China. Uh, so this is probably yeah. my third favorite in all the Kurt Russell, John Carpenter works. Okay. Uh, Jesse, what about you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Sorry. No, no. no that's keep it. Going, that's right? it. Okay. That's absolutely it. I think that's a valid, valid list. What do you think, Jesse? What, what's your take on this? And what did you, what, how much um, experience do you have with John Carpenter and, and your uh, expectations versus the reality that you watched? Uh, I have, I have very limited experience with John Carpenter, I think, um, uh, my expectations, well, so my expectations were set five minutes into the movie when Ryan texted both of us, I think Jesse is going to love this movie. <laughs> and I don't, I don't know why he thought that. Oh um, God. Oh no. I'm not, no, that's, that's not a reflection on how I actually felt about it. I'm just interested like this of all movies, <laughs> Ryan. <laughs> Why did you think I was going to love this movie? I just figured like, you love Separate and apart from... Yeah, I mean, I just... When I remember here in New York, I think Jesse McIntosh for some reason. Yeah, hell yeah. <laughs> yeah, there uh -huh. you go. And escaping yeah. from it. <laughs> I, I love to be in it and then escape from it. So once Ryan had raised the bar for you, where did that yeah. hit? Where did where did it fall? Um, It it fell somewhere in the middle for me, I think. Yeah. Um, it's, it's set up to be just kind of like the rock a little bit um and it it was not dwayne the rock like johnson nearly as much not dwayne right. the rock johnson yes. but uh yeah. Yeah, yeah it was also set up a little bit to be like dwayne the rock johnson perfect yep um all before there is there is wrestling in fact in this there movie. is we didn't know that um, escape from new york is the precursor to <laughs> the rock right. and dwayne the rock johnson yeah. And both both of the rocks yep. that I have in my life. Yep. Um, and it wasn't as good as The Rock, in my opinion. Um, I mean, I didn't enjoy it as much as The Rock. I should say it that way. Um, there were I I had we can we're gonna get into like a, a yeah. couple of uh, sort of like issues that I had in the beginning of it. I think like they asked you to to sort of uh, just take a lot of things for granted right off the bat, like so many consecutive facts where you just got to be like, yep, that's true. Yep. That's true. Yeah. Um, with, with no explanation or no, no context, uh, to what is happening. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, go ahead. No, 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 go. So overall, like 
on an enjoyment level, it fell kind of in the middle for you? It fell, yeah, it fell in the middle. I was expecting a little more action, um, a, a little more jam-packed. Like, I feel like this movie could have trimmed about 10 or 15 minutes of just, like, silent lurking. Mm. A lot of lurking, a lot of lurking. Um, and and just, just sort of, like, in, included more confrontations. I had a similar problem to the premise here as I did with Suicide Squad, uh, in so much as I, I don't know why there wasn't, like, an an active good guy that they could have tabbed with getting the president out. I don't know why they had to reach into the, the prisoner pool. Blisket, the only yeah. One. And, yeah. And there was never, there was never just a like, uh, because you know, the Island better than anyone else. Like they did in the rock or, um, there's going to be somebody in the comment section that loses their mind that you compared this to Suicide Squad. <laughs> well, I, I, I actually think that's a great comparison. It's, a, it, yeah, it's the same premise. Like it yeah, really yeah. is. I yeah. think that's actually a good yeah. point. Yeah. I, I totally hear you on the the lack of action. I think this movie yeah. it reminds me of the first original Mad Max movies in that yep. they might be yep. just a little bit ahead of their time in terms of the action. And then you see what they're capable of today with Mad Max Fury Road. And like, yeah, the premise is so rich and, and bountiful yeah. that like they could probably crush it again if they did today. See, And where I came from, because uh, I'm a huge John Carpenter fan, except I hadn't seen this. I love Big Trouble in Little China. My favorites for him are for different reasons. Uh, I, I would say that The Thing is my favorite. Halloween is a close second, if not tied with The Thing. And then um, they live. I love they live so much. Um, Terrific. And and I just so I can, and I just re I had just rewatched bits of they live because I got it on Blu-ray. So I was so stoked to watch this because it felt like it would be in kind of the vein of that kind of uh, tongue-in-cheek bad guy swagger, like almost the the prelude to what he ended up doing with they live, which is kind of what it is. It's like Roddy Piper's character in they live is like snake turned up to 11 with like one-liners and ridiculousness and and not as serious um overall i really enjoyed this movie i thought the world that was created was really cool i thought all the characters were really awesome and the design of it all my biggest problem was i was like i don't know anything about anyone and also there's not the first hour like jesse was saying there's a lot of lurking and a lot of moments where I'm like, oh shit, this is where the action kicks in. And then he just kind of like ducks down and leaves or like the cab driver's like, you don't want to go down there. And then like barely anything happens down there. So I think Ryan, I think both of you are saying very important things that this movie was ahead of its time in a way that like, I think in 81, this is, and I was watching an interview with John Carpenter. This is before Rambo, before Terminator 2, you know, I, wait, was Terminator before this? Terminator was 82, I think. I think but but like this was like a precursor to the 80s i've used the word precursor about 400 times it's apparently i read it on like a thesaurus blog today um but this seems like something that terminator was in fact 84 so this was before that okay yeah so terminator and and movies of that nature i feel like 82 is when movies started becoming more action-packed per se um and it's similar to when you watch A New Hope, which is 77, and then Empire Strikes Back. I know that's 80, so my point is invalid now. But like, it seems like the idea was bigger than the budget and bigger than the um, action capabilities of, of the time. But that being said, 
I still got a kick out of this movie and it makes me want to watch Escape from LA because I saw Escape from LA way when it came out before I had really knew anything about John Carpenter. And I just remember it being ridiculous and that's it. Um, apparently there's a novelization, hold on, I got to get this. There's a novelization of this movie where I would love to read this because they say, oh shoot, where is it? Okay, there's a, a book that was published in 81 where uh, there's scenes that were cut where he they tell you why Snake Plissken's in jail, which was actually a deleted scene from the beginning of the movie, uh, that Snake and Hawk are both disillusioned war veterans deepening their relationship that's only hinted at. He lost his eye in the battle for Leningrad in World War III. Uh, they also established that we the West Coast is a no man's land and that the population is gradually being driven crazy by a nerve gas that's in the air as a result of World War III. Now, all of that would have been awesome to include in the movie. <laughs> um, so all of you, that- I, you, you actually like, have to include that in the movie. We've yeah. had this conversation about a yeah. few different movies where it's like, they deleted a scene that actually has crucial contextual yeah. information for how to digest everything that's coming at you. Because we have, uh, the the first sound clip is, uh, we don't have to do it yet, but it's the intro to like this whole world. Yeah. And it brings up so many questions that are never answered that it's just like, why? Like the biggest question about this movie is why? I think that this, this movie, um, it, it's one of those 80s classics that, if we had seen it in 81, it would have blown my mind. Like, it would have been like, oh my God, what is this? And then with people who grew up on it, they have the benefit of hindsight where people have dug into how, how deep everything means, what this meant for the society at the time, how seedy New York was, how like dangerous New York was in the 80s and how that is all infused in it. Um, how the it was right after the Watergate scandal. So there was this distrust in the government. So there's a lot of that in there. That's a societal context that we can't, fully grasp within the, I mean, we can given certain political things that are going on now, but the point I'm trying to make is that uh, it's similar to like Blade Runner, 1982's Blade Runner, where like, if you watch that now without any context, it's a very, it's one of my favorite science fiction films, but it's so subtle that they don't really explain a lot of things that people have given meaning to it over 30 years. Whereas nowadays we're used to things being a little bit more spelled out, a little bit more filled in. There was kind of a, I don't know if it was a subtlety to world building or just not including that. But now I kind of want to read the novel. <laughs> I kind of want to read it to figure sure. out. The, sure. But I think, I think I like that fans it. have built a universe for it over time uh, that, that they attach to so that when we're sitting here going, it, some things didn't make sense. They're like, well, that's because of this, but it's not in the, the context of the movie that isn't explained, you know? Right. Right. I, I just like a very small and simple example. The first thing that they say is in 1988, the crime rate jumped by 400%. Um, but they never tell us what why that happened what the incident was was it a specific thing that happened in world war three was it they don't mention world do they mention the world war three they don't mention it at all i'm just going off what you're saying now yeah. but they yeah. don't they don't give us any context clues for why all of a sudden society became more violent mm -hmm. like what what happened to cause this and just any sort of mention world war three and nerve gas <laughs> this is what i'm saying like give us <laughs> yeah. that you know what i mean yeah. and it doesn't even matter it could be x like yeah. the reason is this fill in the blank it doesn't matter but just just share that with us so now, we're all in the same world all that being said 
I loved, and I've read some trivia on this and watched a few interviews with John Carpenter and how they were basing this off of like Clint Eastwood. Actually, they said it was based, this is a great combination of people it was based on. Hold on, I'm gonna find my other little tidbit. Um, Kurt Russell uh, based Snake Plissken in part on Bruce Lee, Darth Vader, Clint Eastwood, and the Exterminator character that Robert Ginty played in the famous 1980 movie, The Exterminator. I didn't see that one, but I love that Darth Vader is included in that. <laughs> That's a great hodgepodge of characters. Sure. And it does have that kind of Clint Eastwood, the man with no name vibe, which if you watch some of those movies, there's not a lot of explanation for your main guy. He's just a tough ass that comes in and he's just Snake Plissken. And the one thing I love that was trivia was that everybody who says to Snake Plissken, I thought you were dead, ends up dying in the movie. <laughs> just so good. <laughs> I love that detail. So for me, the carpenterness of it outshines the frustrations for me. Like the John Carpenter stamp on it makes me enjoy it despite its um, kind of bare bones narrative. Mm -hmm. That's what I'm saying. Uh, and Donald Pleasance is a British president, which apparently there's a whole backstory for that. And they just cut it from the movie <laughs> yeah, a lot of a lot of what you guys are lot, the criticisms are shared i think by the masses there are a lot of people in the chat we got sly the movie guy saying one of my issues with yeah the please film was that it was a little bit short it could have used a little bit more action and uh runtime for that and i think that is that is the case like it, it's just a little too short for what we're used to today with action movies and these like action epics you know like the terminator is longer than this uh i've seen with like all the rambos and even all yeah. the mad maxes but the one thing with those films is I, they don't have as much, like you don't have a lot of backstory for Mad Max. Uh, no, especially no. Like in Fury Road and, and same with those, those Westerns, they're a little longer. Like, I just don't think they had enough runtime here to, to really and we have to, we have to give them credit that they made this for $6 million and the amount of scope that they give this. And that's what I'm saying. Like, that's what frustrates me the most is that the world and the design of everything is so awesome that I want more info about it. Like uh, they were saying in the behind the scenes that all the footage where it looks like the drone is flying or the helicopter is flying over and it's the computer images of the city. They actually built models and painted them white and filmed it that painted the lines white because computer technology at the time wasn't that uh, established. So anyways, we should probably get into the plot in under three minutes. Should we do that since we've uh, talked about this for 20 already? <laughs> Let's absolutely do, do we that. Do have a timer? Uh, How do we do, do this via Zoom? So we'll have a, uh, a visual timer. I can't timer. hear you. You're muted. You oh. muted yourself, right? Get Sorry. We'll have a visual un... timer. Um, just stand by for one moment on that. You can just tell me. I can, here, I can time it on my own phone. Here, watch. I'll do this. Sounds good. Watch this. Here we go. Jesse, are you ready? I think so. I don't know what you Full disclosure, doing, I, I watched it I'm Friday, in. and that felt like three months ago. So here we go. In three. Here we go. Oh, are you doing it, Ryan, or I me? I got it. I got it. Okay, okay, here we go. I can tell you for certain I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Count it down, Ryan. Three, <laughs> two, one, go. Okay, so we get this opening uh, narration that in 1988, the crime rate was up 400%, and uh, New York was completely blocked off. It's a police state now where it's a, the largest federal prison, and it's just gangs running amok and people killing each other, and it's just mayhem. And then they realize they get a distress call from an unidentified plane and it starts off with a bang like boom the plane gets shot down the president is kidnapped they send in a SWAT team to find him and this awesome creepy dude with like bleach blonde hair comes out and it's like 
the Duke says that you must uh, leave now and blah, 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 and like gives all these demands and they leave and the only man who can save the president, but we don't know why, we never find out why is Snake Plissken. He has an eye patch. <laughs> He's been arrested for something and we, everybody thought he was dead and Jesse, take it away. Okay, uh, so they like insert a bomb into his neck yeah. and they say, we're gonna set the bomb off in 24 hours. You have 24 hours to get the president because he has a briefcase handcuffed to his wrist that has a tape in it from uh, the, it, it is going to somehow save the world from a nuclear holocaust from Russia and China. I guess they're meeting right now and they're going to leave if he doesn't get there. So you got to get in now. So he says, uh, okay. So he goes in, he, he lands on top of the World Trade Center. He walks all the way down. Um, and then he uh, like encounters a bunch of uh, like street dwellers. Like people are coming like, up from the sewer. Yeah, like the lizard people or something in New York where they're like climbing Yeah, because it's the, the end sewer. of the month and they're hungry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he meets a girl who uh, instantly tries to seduce him, uh, which, you know, it's a prison state, so pickings are slim there. So he, Snake sure. Plissken comes in. It's Kurt Russell. And then she gets pulled underground by these sewer people. Uh, yep. and, and then he goes to a theater. There's like a play going on, and he sees the cabbie, and the cabbie's like, don't go down there. And he goes down there anyway. So he goes down to the sewer uh, where he was warned that there's a bunch of uh, like, underground people there and then he goes he's tracking the thing and he goes to where the tracker is and it's just some guy uh he's like gotta get me out of here the president's dead there's no president and then oh god 50 seconds Uh, oh then he goes Uh, yeah then he goes to brain or whatever the guy's name is and and adrian barbeau's character and he's like hey i need your help uh you're the only ones that have the the design for the the bridge to get out of here when I do escape and you're the only person who, the cabbie knows that this guy is the only guy who knows where the Duke is. So he goes, talks to him, there's a tense relationship, which we don't really know what happened between them, but there's some something. And then they go confront the Duke. Uh, he gets kidnapped, he gets thrown in a wrestling ring where they're given bats with nails and he hits the dude in the head and kills him. And then uh, he- 10 seconds. Then they, they, and then the brain goes and he, he gets the tape he gets uh, a tape. No, he, he goes and he kills the other people. He and then saves he the president. To, he's like, I'm going to go to the top of the World Trade Center. And they go up there. And nothing oh, God. There. They go to the bridge. And, and then there's the bridge. bridge zero. President zero. Zero. Oh, zero. Zero. God, okay, okay. That, that got really... We spent way... Okay, so we need to really flesh out the third act. Um, yeah. that, did, that did remind me, though, talking about it. It reminded me that, like, the last 40 minutes I had a lot of fun with. It's just, like, the first 45 that I... It's actually not even that. It's, like, the first act I like. And then there's like a 20 or 30 minute chunk where I'm like, okay, things are gonna get good. Things are gonna, mm-hmm. what's happening? What's happening? But then once like he meets, um, what's the guy's name? Not Brain, it's- um, Cabbie? N- no, the Cabbie was such a weird character that just always, sh- he always just arrived. Um, let me see, it's it's the other dude. Oh, heart knockers, I almost swore. Uh, Lee Van Cleef, no. Yeah, Lee Van Cleef, I think. I think that was him. Who described the character? No, 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 Brain. That was his name, Brain. Yes, I was right, yeah. Brain. So there's Brain and then, uh, and then Maggie. When they meet Brain and Maggie, I thought it really took off for me. Um, but yeah, the, the setup is awesome, where it's like the New York prison, it's they're, 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 it's just it's an entire island that's now a prison. And the president is shot down within the first five minutes of the movie. And you're like, oh, this is going to be good. This is just hitting it, like hit the ground running. And then there's so much of it where you're like, okay, okay, here it comes. 
But what's the yeah. first sound clip, Jesse? What what do we the have? The first sound clip is is the, the literal beginning of the movie where they're just setting the whole world up. In so let's hear that one, and then I'm going to ask you a series of questions. Then. Okay. The once great city of New York becomes the one maximum security prison for the entire country. A 50-foot containment wall is erected along the New Jersey shoreline across the Harlem River and down along the Brooklyn shoreline. It completely surrounds Manhattan Island. All bridges and waterways are mined. The United States police force, like an army, is encamped around the island. There are no guards inside the prison, only prisoners and the worlds they have made. Okay. The rules are simple. Oh, it's still going. Still going. Okay, that's a cool premise. That's a cool premise if you expand on that. Yeah, I have, your, can I ask you a series of questions? Though? Absolutely, and I have a series of answers. And I love that it says Great. Renee Begley up here instead of, it's my wife, sure Zoom. Does. I'm gonna rename it. Uh, number one, uh, we already talked about, what happened that instantly shot the crime rate up 400%? We talked well, about that a little. Well, we now know World War Three. Yep. Uh, number two, um, did it take, less time to build a 50-foot wall around all of New York than it would have just to build a couple of other prisons. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I think they just, they had it pre-built because it, it was seven years in the future. And right. so they, they already had these like city-wide, just kind of like pre-built where they just flew it over with like 400 helicopters and they just dropped it in like a Lego, like a Lincoln log, you know, just... So yeah. That makes sense to me. That makes okay. sense to me. You ready for more great answers yes. from me? Yes, okay. I am. Uh, what? How much did they have to pay all the citizens of New York to go ahead and get out of there? What is the eminent domain law in this police state? And um, where did they go, et cetera? Two, questions, two, two answers to yeah. that. Um, mm -hmm. Since crime raised up 400%, that meant uh, yeah. 400 times the amount of people were murdered. Uh, yeah. And then, so because of that, there were less people. And because it was so dangerous, New Yorkers were like, get me out of here. Because in this world, they're not as loyal to the city because it got too violent. And so they went to Jersey. So instead of bagging on Jersey, they all moved to Jersey and they bought up some nice property there. They got some like, you know, beachfront property. There's a beach in Jersey, right? Sure. Cool. There. Any more questions before we move on, Jesse? One more. I'll uh, give you not one specific more. to that, but I have one more that is yeah. sort of like in the preamble. This, I'm glad I'm an uh, expert the, at this movie. Me too. Thank <laughs> God we have an expert here. The Air Force One crashes into a building. Yeah. Because someone, a fanatic, took over the plane. You you don't just sell tickets to Air Force One. Everyone who is on is screened. How did this fanatic woman get onto Air Force One? Is that is that what happened? I can't remember. Was it shot down? It, 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 somebody no. took over, right? Somebody, no, somebody took, over. took over. And she was like screaming her manifesto into the Oh, that's right. That's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. She was in the cockpit like it's, it was so awesome. It was one of the most vague, great like manifestos ever. The pigs yeah. in power will die. <laughs> you should not do this to us. But I love right. the little escape pod that the president gets out in. It looks like a Pokemon ball. Like, <laughs> I, I choose you, President Donald Pleasance. Oh. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. I think, you know, security, it's like the TSA was way laxed in the 80s, too. So maybe she was yeah. just a stewardess. That's why. So let's move okay. on from here. So we got a great yep. setup. 
We got a great setup with some questions, but presumably the film will answer it. It doesn't. So. Uh, it and then that. Snake is introduced. Great setup. Eye patch. Yeah. All these like cool badass one-liners that you want an action hero to have. Like, yeah, you thought I was dead, but I don't know. There's, there's, is ready to kick ass one of them, Jesse? That's that's the guy who's uh, soliciting his services, and then uh, the so two and three you can play sort of back to back. Okay, let's do that. Three is Kurt Russell. Kick your ass out of the world, war hero. I don't give a. Wait, play that again. Wait, I gotta. So this is a this this is an exchange between him and Hawk, and who we would find out if we read the novel that they are both disillusioned war veterans, but that uh, Hawk is still kind of a company man. And uh, and that's why they have this animosity. Again, I'm ready to kick I read the cliff notes. The world, sure. I'm ready to kick your ass out of the world, war hero. That's a good line. That's a mm. damn good line. I'm ready to kick your ass out of the world, war hero. Show some respect. Come on. And now the next clip is Snake being Snake. I don't give a fuck about your war. <laughs> it's so good. Like. His performance is awesome in this. Like, I love Kurt Russell in this movie. He's so badass. I think that's the issue is that the parts of it are so fun that the whole yeah. doesn't doesn't do it for me. Uh, again, yeah. I, I really enjoy the movie still. Um, for what, it, in 1981, we got to give it credit that it's like uh, uh, 40, almost 40 years old now. It's 39 years there old. Was, and, and I don't think we can emphasize too much what you were saying about the world building also. Like they yeah. really did a nice job of sort of like segmenting and giving distinct personalities to all the different sort yeah. of like partitions that that sort of self-formed yeah. in the city of New York prison. You know, it's it's kind of like uh it's kind of like um John Wick-ish, you know, where John Wick doesn't mm -hmm. give a ton of backstory. But yeah. I think I think that just given the the scope of how the the language of cinema has changed and the things you're able to do now with filmmaking i think with john wick they're able to tell more of a story through action tell more of um a story through you know less exposition whereas this one i, I honestly think escape from new york is ahead of its time and if john carpenter was down to remake it i would not be mad at it um john carpenter would have to remake it though uh, let's do the, uh, so then he meets this cabbie. So Snake Plissken, there's this awesome sequence where he, there's a miniature um, glider that's dropped in. He lands on the World Trade Center. He barely gets out in time. He hooks it up. He goes down, meets all these CD characters. There's these, the, the president, oh, first off, the SWAT team comes in. And one of my favorite characters that doesn't get enough screen time is the weird sidekick to the Duke with like the yeah. Billy Idol hair on crack where it's like all out. And he's like, <gasps> he's so creepy. I love that guy. I wanted more of him. Um, and so then Snake meets the cabbie and the cabbie takes him around a little bit. And then he, he goes to this movie theater where there's a play and he runs into the, does he run into the cabbie again there? Yeah. 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 So well, that's where well, he first, meets, he first him. meets the he cabbie meets at him the in the play. Theater. Yeah. The cabbie's watching the play and he actually gives us, you mentioned it earlier, but sound clip number four, it's just sort of this ominous warning. Yeah. It's like sound clip hey, number four. you don't want to walk around down there, Snake. <laughs> and you're like oh no what's gonna happen down there and it, Why? And it, it's just kind of like walking through like a, a like skid row where like the most that happens to snake is like somebody may ask him for a dollar or something i think he gets right. attacked he gets attacked and then fights a few guys he fights a few guys he like encounters like i said he encounters the the guy who's wearing the president's vital bracelet yeah. um 
but it's yeah no harm no foul kind of yeah apparently kurt russell actually encountered some um a street gang in louisiana one night because he took a wrong turn when they were doing night shoots and was walking around but because mm-hmm. he looked so intimidating they didn't mess with him <laughs> how <laughs> awesome how awesome is that snake Pliskin <laughs> almost got jumped and then they were like i'm not messing with snake Pliskin." um so then the cabbie takes him around and there's all this big setup of there's a lot of lurking there's the weird sewer people we already talked about at length in the three minute thing we got very limited time because of technical issues with my shitty wi-fi here um he goes and meets Brain and Maggie, and Brain and him have a history. Again, I thought you were dead. Don't know why you thought he was dead. Don't know any backstories. To I keep waiting for somebody to be like, Snake and I were in the war together, and we had this happen, and this guy's a tough SOB, but it's just, I thought you were dead, which I kind of appreciate, but also would have loved just a, just a morsel. Yeah. Just a morsel. Yeah, I also would love to know how everybody knows who he is. Like, imagine if... If not to go back to John Wick, but imagine if John Wick, uh-huh. the only backstory we got about him was Baba Yaga. He's the boogeyman. That's it. Nothing about his wife, nothing about right. why he got out. All we hear when John Wick enters the room is he's the boogeyman. And we thought he was out. That's it. But also, that but would also be the same. A, a criminal now, but was at one time a hero. Yeah. Like, I I don't know. There's, there's just a little bit of a disconnect there as far as like, and how, what happened to him? How does everyone know him? Like, yeah. I guess he was a war hero and then he fell on hard. I'm assuming he fell on hard times and then he robbed some place and there was a big robbery opening. But even the little bit of that deleted scene I watched didn't really give any context. Yeah, they they said he robbed the Fed, but uh, which is fine. Like, it, I don't yeah. know. It's like you said. It's it's sort of a, a fun recurring thing. Yeah. Um. Just give yeah, us a, just, like just a, a piece more each time. Shaded so, in. Shade the I loved Brain and Maggie. I thought they were awesome. Adrian Barbeau mm. is like a total '80s babe, but a badass. I really liked her and Brain's dynamic, and um, all that stuff with them, and and uh, the setup of kind of like I never trusted Brain. I never uh, Henry uh, Henry Jean Stanton. I never I never trusted if he was going to betray uh, Snake or if he was on his side. So later on when they're shooting up the bad guys and they take the, the, they save the president, I didn't think that was gonna happen. I thought they were gonna double cross Snake in that moment and then they end up being good. So that was a cool thing for me to keep guessing. Um, you have clip number five is you can't meet the Duke, which I assume is the cabbie again. So this uh, is yes. again, again, the cabbie's, oh, so the cabbie's just warning us more stuff. That turns out to be not true. You can't meet the Duke, are you crazy? Nobody gets to meet the Duke. You meet him once and then you're dead. <laughs> it's just not true. Is that like, is that like Sadoko from The Ring? You meet her once and you're dead? <laughs> but he, he's got like a whole crew. What is he yeah. talking about? Yeah, he's got like he's 400, got a lot of friends. 400 employees. He's got the Billy Idol dude with the spiky, yeah. the People Billy Idol with like him. the Dragon Ball Z hair. That's what it is. Uh huh. At yeah. the wrestling match, when he does this, everyone quiets yeah. down. So like, he's I got think the f- you can meet him and you're fine. He's got the full Joaquin Phoenix from Gladiator vibe going on, you know. Where yeah. it, mm-hmm. and that's such a cool moment where like, so Snake ends up. Uh, they end up getting kidnapped by. There's this like little chase sequence where they steal one of the Duke's cars, and they're trying to get ahead to the Duke's lair before he gets back. But they come around and surprise him and and. There's a lot of plot I'm skipping, but whatever. And they they, they surprise the um, snake and and Maggie and Brain, and 
uh, Snake is put into a gladiator pit with this giant wrestler who's a real life wrestler in the 80s. And apparently he was like hitting Kurt Russell so hard. Like that scene, because in the wide shot where he's like going at him when and he yeah. has, they give him baseball bats with nails and then a trash can lid. And you can, in the wide shot, I was genuinely worried for Kurt Russell. Turns out there's a reason the wrestler was hitting too hard. And Kurt Russell kept being like, you can't, you got to pull it back, man. And apparently at one point he knocked it, the wrestler in the nuts to like show him, hey, that hurts. And the guy finally got the point. <laughs> it's like, that's amazing. This guy, because I mean, this guy's just doing what he does, which is wrestle. You know, he's not doing the stage well, combat element of it. I mean, that's the thing. Wrestling is real. Pro wrestling yes. is not fake. Just ask The Rock. Yes. Full circle. <laughs> Full circle. Um, yeah. So he ends up meeting the Duke. So there's this, I, I really liked the gladiator fight. I thought it was really fun. And he hits the dude in the back of the head with the nails. And then everybody's like, oh, shit. And then immediately, snake, snake. And I always love that in movies where the bad guys are like, screw you you're the good guy and then all the good guy has to do is murder the most powerful gladiator fighter of theirs and then they're like oh yeah i'm immediately on your side immediately that's my guy yeah. i don't know what your belief system is i don't know where you come from i don't know nobody does I, Not love, even the audience. I love your sweet belly tattoo <laughs> he does have a sweet snake belly tattoo yeah. it's, the, mo it's yeah. the most amazing and overt tattoo ever yeah where i know this sounds strange but i'm i'm I don't need to find out, but I wonder if in the novelization they explain where else the snake goes because it's just yeah. Where half does it snake. start? Where's that does tail? It, does it start like by his inner thigh? Does it? You know, I don't want to get too like uh, speculative here. Um, mm. <laughs> we just keep getting three minutes, <laughs> and you're doing it with the S with a snake. I wish you guys could see the chat. Three minutes, and I just spent one minute on that. Um, so the Duke knows Snake. When the Duke and Snake confront each other, Jesse, you pulled this sound clip. Let's play clip number six. <laughs> yeah. Wait, no, there's more to that, isn't there? I've yeah. heard of you. No, let's play it again. Because there's an awesome big pause. And then there's a huge long pause and he goes, I've heard of you. <laughs> again, of you. so great. Isaac Hayes is your bad guy. This movie has Isaac Everyone Hayes. Has heard of him. Yeah. This, I mean, this guy's the most famous war hero turned criminal ever with an eye patch yes. and a snake tattoo that we don't know where it ends. I hope it goes all the way to his ankle and then wraps around his baby toe. You know, you, you like keep the saying where it ends, but I would argue that's where it begins. That is where it begins. Yeah, the baby toe. It yeah. wraps around the baby toe and then mm -hmm. just comes up the whole leg. It's a, it's a very disproportionate snake. <laughs> and the Indeed. bottom half is super long. It just um, ate something, so it's top heavy. So, and there's a great scene with the uh, the president is being held hostage by the Duke and they're shooting. He's got, Isaac Hayes has the gun trained on his boot and he keeps like shooting around him. And Isaac Hayes in clip number seven asks him who he is and the president responds. You bought the Duke of New York, you're a number one. <laughs> you are the Duke of New York, you're a number one. I hear that that's how a lot of the staff in the White House uh, refer to Trump. They, uh, when he comes in the room, they're like, you are the Duke of New York, you're a number one. And he goes, great, thank you, I needed that. Uh, Very well done. That's not political, that's just a joke. Um, it's just something. So then get, we're gonna they, kill they, do, they, they, shoot, they shoot the briefcase open and stuff falls out and everyone's reaction to that is like, <gasps> whoa, like what do they think was in the briefcase? <laughs> it's it's like, also, 
It's just an empty briefcase, they thought. The reaction is also kind of like, I didn't know briefcases could open that way. <laughs> you know? Yeah, like no one thought to be like, I wonder what's in that briefcase handcuffed to the president's wrist. So what's in the next, yeah, because they just kidnapped the president. They don't have any, they don't care about the tape inside, which we find mm-hmm. out that the tape inside has something to do with a nuclear arms thing where the president is trying to bring peace, I guess. Um, yeah. Let's play clip number eight. This is- you gonna kill me now, Snake? too tired oh damn it that's the end well whatever yeah so um there's this great sequence where they're they figured out the layout of the of the bridge to escape and it's rigged with mines and um they have to landmines and they're they're snake and his crew are are trying to escape it and they hit one and it blows the taxi clean in half and Uh kills the taxi driver i know we gotta wrap it okay and then adrian barbeau is shooting her gun off at uh the duke and she gets full-on crushed by the car in a really gruesome way. And then the Duke is chasing after Snake. Snake gets over the edge and the president says, you're the Duke now! And shoots the Duke dead. <laughs> Snake finds, uh, Snake goes over to Hawk and we play that last clip that we did where he says, you're gonna kill me now? And he says, I'm too tired. Great line, great line. Uh, sorry, this was such a short show, guys. Um, like I said, technical difficulties here at home. We're still figuring out this whole virtual meeting thing. Uh, so Jesse, we gotta wrap this up and rate it on a scale of guilty but terrible guilty pleasure or guilty but awesome i'm gonna go just straight down the middle of guilty pleasure i think there's a lot of fun, a lot of really interesting stuff about this um but it it uh too, too many unanswered questions for me i'm gonna go uh if it's possible i'm gonna go in the middle of guilty. i know this is a cop-out but in the middle of guilty movie pleasures and guilty but awesome because there's enough awesome elements in it that that start nudging it towards awesome for me and just my my affinity for john carpenter ryan what's your rating i want to hear yours ryan you lost me what's um, your what's your rating buddy so my rating would be probably guilty but pleasurable i don't think it quite hits awesome for me uh, i just think it's it was nudging like, towards it's, awesome. it's nudging towards awesome like you were saying yeah all right, well, let us let us know what you thought at home. If, where does this rank in your Carpenter classics? Have you seen it? Have you seen Escape from L.A.? And let us know what we should do next week on these whole Zoom weird quarantine chats. Jesse, where can they find you? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Too Much Jesse for Sketch at the Prom Reserves. You can find me at the Ben Begley on Twitter and Instagram. You can find us here every Tuesday night from the safety of our home, except for these creepy drawings behind me, live 6 p.m., and just remember, stay safe, stay home. Let's flatten this curve, because then we can all go back to normal. Until next time, what is your guilty movie pleasure? From producers Maria Menunos, Kevin Undergaro, and the entire Popcorn Talk Network, we would like to thank you for tuning in. For questions or comments, be sure to visit popcorntalk.com. I'm Sir Richard Wentworth, and this has been a presentation of the Popcorn Talk Network.